0: I can't read that because that's her story, so she will be back to teach. <laughs> we'll probably make her a part of our Advent series in December. I'll make sure that she has opportunities opportunity to teach since she was sick today. Um, but we are continuing in our first ministry series where we're talking about me and we, um, about our personal mental health, physical health, our outlook on life, how that um, affects our ministry, as well as our interaction with other people, with family, and things of that nature. Um, So taking care of home first is what we mean by the first ministry. Before you can have any type of ministry outside, um, you need to take care of yourself. And a lot of times, um, I know we talked about this in our first lesson, we tend to think this only applies to married people or people with, with young children. But it applies to everybody. Everybody has a home no matter what your home looks like. And before we take care of anything else, we make sure that our house is taken together and it's taken care of. And it doesn't necessarily even just mean your physical house, but your house, your temple, take care of you so that you can minister um, outside of here. So let's get started with a word of prayer. Lord, we love you and we thank you. God, I just thank you for another opportunity to stand before your people. Um, Lord, you know all about what happened this morning. God, we pray right now for Sister Twyla. God, we pray that you sitting your healing angels, God, to touch her. God, allow her to find relief. This morning, God, touch her family. Lord, I pray that you move in the midst of this lesson, God, um, and that you continue to get the glory um, out of our lives, out of this church, out of this ministry, as we just work to dig deeper, learn more about you, and to look more like you today. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. So the title I gave her, because I knew that she could teach this different than anybody else could. So I want to do my due diligence is um, God and your pettiness. God and your pettiness. Okay? So, when I say that word, petty, P-E-T-T-Y, what comes to your mind? And I thought we had um, markers up here, but we're out, so we'll just throw them out in the air. Um, That's okay. I was only going to use it for this part. It's all good. I'll type them. (laughs) So, when I say the word, petty, Small. Small, insignificant. Small, insignificant. Selfish. Okay. Selfish. Nitpicky. 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 Irrelevant. What'd you say? Irrelevant. Irrelevant. One sided. One sided. Okay. Anything else? Mean. Mean? Me. Oh, me? Right. <laughs> because the funny thing so we're saying these words, um, and at least I know in our circle, Um, We're working on it, but a lot of times we brag on our ability to be petty, right? Um, And we joke, (laughs) because, you know, I'm petty, or, oh, you're being petty, and we laugh at it, right? And so when we say petty, we're laughing and like, girl, that was so petty, right? Um, But we just said what petty means, right? So the things we just said, we will never say, Chris, you are so irrelevant, right? (laughs) oh, my gosh, Sister Kay so small, or that was so narrow-minded, or that was so one-sided, or, oh, girl, Melissa, that was so nitpicky, right? But we laugh and we say, that was so petty, right? Mm -hmm. And so normally what we mean when we say petty was, that was so witty, right? Oh, that was so sharp. That was so cleverly worded. Oh, you got there real quick, right? Um, And while normally Our pettiness, yes ma'am. Okay, you're saying that's what? Normally when we are bragging and saying, that was so petty, normally we say that in response to that. So if a person, I'll give an example. Um, I'm the fair supervisor at job and family services. So I do all the ombudsman complaints, all the county commissioner complaints, all the state legislator, governor complaints. When customers come in to complain, if they, I, I supervise the staff that they, give them the plane suit, and if it gets escalated, I'm the person they talk to. So there's quite a few times that a customer is basically telling me how to do my job, and I will politely tell them they don't know what they're talking about, right? And so quite a few times, my staff are like, "Deaf, you are so paid, I don't know how are you getting away with the stuff you say. And when they say that, the old me about four or five years ago, I'm like, yeah, girl, yeah. But when they say that to me now, I'm like, well, it wasn't my intent to be petty. Now it is my intent to be direct, because in my job, I have to be very direct, because if not, I'll be going back and forth with for people all day and not have stuff to do. So I will tell them, like, well, I can give you a copy of the policy. I don't think you know the policy. Um, I understand what you think you know, but this is what our policy is here at the county. Would you like a copy of that? And so that's kind of what I say. But I've had some moments that I went a little bit beyond the directness, that I went to, oh, okay, you know the policy? Okay, what's the OR, ORC code? Can you let me know? Because to me, that was me going beyond just being direct. That was me being petty, right? Or that was me trying to minimize their knowledge or basically embarrass them. I'm like, oh, okay, you know what our process is? I told you it takes 10 days. You're saying it's and take one. Okay, can you explain to me the process of the authorizing benefits? And I was just sitting there like, i wait. Right. That's being petty, right? right? Or if I get into an argument with my spouse, he's like, you know what? You should have done blah Oh, okay, because you know what my day looked like. What did I do at 8 o'clock? That's me being, excuse me, that's me being petty, okay? Um, so we have to be careful about that. But it's something that has become very popular. Um, and the thing is, it has become popular in the church. It's been quite a few times I listen to sermons all day long, and I've heard so many sermons where pastors are almost bragging. It's like, you know, I can be real petty. And they're like, yeah, that's right, Pastor. Um, and we have to be careful on being proud to be petty, okay? So you guys gave a few of the definitions. I just wanted to read you guys the actual, y'all um, kind of hit the nail on the head. But when we say, I looked up pettiness, because that's really what we're talking about the pettiness, the same thing. Um, is undue concern with trivial matters. Undue concern with trivial matters, especially of a small-minded or spiteful nature. Especially of a small-minded or spiteful nature. Sure. It's undue concern for trivial matters, especially of a small-minded or spiteful nature. Okay? So it's when I'm just focusing on something that really doesn't matter. Okay? So can you guys give me an example? We're going to focus on the body of Christ today. Right? I have some great worldly examples, but I want us to focus on the church. What are some examples of... Things that church people can be petty about. What are some of the things that we have an undue concern about? Yes, sir. What we wear. What we wear. Absolutely. That's the number one thing is attire. Okay? Give me another example. We're going to sit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what else? Titles, absolutely. Mhm. What else? I, I had a an argument. I won't say argument, but a discussion with passionate discussion. A, another believer about how many angels were, were at the tomb. Wow. Was, Number of angels at the tomb. Because different wow. translations say different mm-hmm. things. Okay. Different so um, minor biblical details. Yeah, And okay. there's th- other examples in, in scripture mm-hmm. that really don't matter. Absolutely. Any other examples? Yes, ma'am. Uh, <sighs> who's speaking? Oh, yeah, that's good. Who's preaching? Yes, ma'am. I saw you praise your hand, Mother. I My mother know. I'm And she could Oh, yeah, at my own church, they would look, um, they had to move where the pastor parked because he used to park right in front of the church. And if people didn't see his truck, they would keep driving. Mm-hmm. So they had to move his parking spot to the back of the church so you couldn't see his car. Because it really was that serious. And I have one Sunday, he actually was there. And then um, he ended up throwing me up to preach at the last minute. It was like right before the sermon. He was like, you're That's why I always be telling my preachers, like, make sure y'all always have a sermon. Just like this morning, like, you never know when you might be called to teach and preach. Um, so he threw me up at the last minute. And I remember this lady came up to me. She was like, Girl, you know that pastor tricked us because I saw his car. It's the only reason I stayed. But you did a good job because otherwise I would not have stayed. This is my first time seeing it. And she told me that. She said, Because the last few times you preached, when I didn't see his car, I kept driving. She said, I'm glad he tricked me this time because I enjoyed what you said. And I'm like, Things. Like I don't, get out me. I don't know. What I'm, I'm glad you accidentally heard me preach today. That. Like okay. But that's just kind of people do things like that. And so let's think about where these came from. So what I want you to understand when we say this pettiness stuff, most of our undue concern is based off of something significant. Okay. So for the most part, most of us. I said nothing to church during my maternity leave when we um, Uh, Josephus um, was here, Josephus Johnson, I couldn't remember his last name. Um, When he spoke and I sat in the back and then Caleb, I was so distracted because I could see everything people were doing. And so, and that was just for me. So I know there are some people who prefer to sit in the back, but I can't, so if I can't sit in the front, I try to sit in the middle. So now that I have Caleb and he's, you know, at any moment, diaper needs to be changed, he starts crying, I can sit on the outside, so I try to sit towards the front on the outside. But if that don't happen, it is what it is. So I have a legitimate reason as to why I want to sit where I sit because I'm like, this is just where my brain connects and I want to pay attention to worship. I want to be connected with Bishop. But if I come to church late and that seat is gone, I'm not going to be like, excuse me, that's <laughs> actually my seat. I need you to. <laughs> I sit here every Sunday. If you look at Periscope, this is my seat. <laughs> so I don't I do don't that, right? And then actually, I don't go back my way into because like Elder Rene never sit there all the time and so i was just kind of like moseying my way into this section and nobody was like you don't sit here they're like oh welcome to our row okay Mm -hmm. but they're still sitting there they weren't like we're definitely sitting here moving they're just like oh you can just join into the row with us okay um so we have a reason but we're tired this is the house of god right so for most of us to a certain degree we want to look a little bit nicer when we come into the house of god because we've come to worship perfectly. Yes, God is everywhere. But when we come here, we are intentionally here to connect with God. So we want to look a little nice, right? If we go somewhere with our spouse or our boo or whatever, we dress nicer. If we go to meet the president, go to meet the mayor, the governor, somebody important, we always dress nice. So it does look a little weird that, you know, if President Trump came, I put a nice dress on, but I go to church and I'm like, well, I just wear whatever I want to wear. Right. So we have to make sure that we are putting some attention. However, we don't know what somebody's best is. Right. And we don't know what's going on in their lives. I know right now, me and Charlie, we're getting ready to move next weekend. We might come to church next weekend with some sweatpants and T-shirts on because <laughs> we just about to hit church real quick. and We're going right back to moving. Um, I'll probably try to put jeans on, but Charlie might try on sweatpants right now because everything is packed. Everything was dirty and we, he waited until this morning to look at his clothes I'm like this all got this clean. So but he could have had something dirty on so I'm like, you got a of clothes, everything matches, everything looks fine, right, whatever. Right? So he didn't come in like I'm gonna be offensive, I don't care, I'm going to church, so I got sweatpants on. He's like, I got my nice there is nice sweatpants. So there you go. Um but we, we teach that, so we teach that, you know, my stepson, he's been coming around us for about two months now. He wears something nice when we go to church. We always make sure he's got something nice on. Caleb, he's already being taught. You wear stuff nice on Sunday morning. But that nice may vary depending on the occasion. If it's 95 degrees outside, nice is going to be a tank top and some shorts for him because it's not his fault. It's high. And he's three months old, so he don't need to be in no soup, sweat. Okay? Um, but we nitpick about attire, and a lot of times – it is because of tradition, but sometimes it's because of how we feel about ourselves, right? So a lot of times, it's not our attires, other people's attires that we're focused on. And if we're honest, we didn't really put on our very best today anyway. We put on something that looked nice, that was comfortable. We liked the way we looked in it. But we didn't go pull out our homecoming gown from 20, 30 years ago, right? We didn't pick the finest outfit, the outfit we wore to our kids' weddings. or We didn't put that on it. So you put something comfortable on so when somebody else comes to church and maybe their office has been more comfortable than yours, we have the nerves and like side out, right? So those are nitpicky things that are distracting to our interaction. Because when we come to church, that's the reason we come here together, right? Because if it was only just about, I just want to worship God, we can worship God at home. The point is to worship God as a group. And so if we can't talk to each other, it's hard for us to worship. Next to each other, if you just said, "Oh, your skirt is too short," right, or if I just said, "I don't like the way your hair is," or "Oh, you got too much makeup on," or "Why don't you have makeup on? We're in church," or "Why does he have on jeans?" or "How come he doesn't have a blazer on with his outfit?" things like that, even though we, they might be warranted, we might be like, "Oh, well, this is the house of God, and this is how I grew up. How does that? How does that um, improve our interaction?" with them? So if I say Chris, oh, okay, that looks cool, but I don't like the fact that you got three different things, on, you got to have matching pants. For what? He looks nice the way he looks. But if I grew up that men can only wear a blazer and matching pants, you can't wear a blazer and jeans. Now I caused a vision. So now Chris don't want to be around me because he's like, well, she gonna have something to say about my outfit. And I took time picking this out, and I thought it looked nice. And now she's talking about my stuff don't look right, right? And so I've had that done to me my old church. I've had, especially when I first started preaching, I went to a much more traditional church. Preachers wore suits every single Sunday. I had some, I was broke. I was real, like really broke. Just graduated from college, broke. So, I didn't have money to buy a bunch of suits. So, I thought I was doing well. I got a few blazers and some straight dresses. So, I was mentioning matching, and matching I thought I was doing well. And I had a lady come and say, well, when are you going to actually wear a suit to church? I was like, oh, um, I thought I was And then I had one Sunday that I didn't have new pantyhose. I had on some black pantyhose. Oh, you look like a lady of the street. You can't wear those black stuff. That's too sexy for the pulpit. I'm like, are you really talking about the color of my pantyhose? And it's (laughs) August. No one's going to fuck with that. And I'm 27 with pantyhose on. No one cares that it's hot. You're mad that they're black. But that's just really what people do. And so for her, she was helping me. Oh, because you know, you're in a baptist church they already don't really like going to clergy so you can't be up there being a distraction but instead of her teaching she was nitpicking it. Mm-hmm. she said well you look like a woman in the street because that didn't that definitely i don't know why i keep choking that did not make me want to adhere to anything she said now she would have came to me in the spirit of love like you know what you've been doing nice i can see you've been trying to change since you entered ministry." Just maybe something to think, maybe try and wear some of these colors. If she would have came that way, that may have changed things. But when she came to me like, you're a woman in the street, y'all know what I did. That's Patty. This was, I'm wearing. I'm wearing. I'm wearing. So I was like, I'm going to wear fishnets. I'm going to wear something like this. <laughs> I had the ones that had the rhinestones up the back. I wore, I, I was like, well, if I'm a woman in the street, let's at least make it worth it. Um, and that was me being Patty. Right? So, I was trying to prove my point to her. I should have just adhered quietly and just took, you know, eat the beans without the bones. But I was petty and I took pride. In it. I not even took pride, I told my friends. I was like, I can't wait to see her face next Sunday. I'm going to make sure I walk straight past the pew so she can see the back of my stockings and see I got all these rhinestones falling down. And that was so petty. And I had to spend money on that because that's not be something weird. But I went to Macy's. Them. I was like, I not wait to walk past her. But that wasn't me being petty. That was me because she nitpicked at me, I nitpicked back. And I wasn't where I needed to be spiritually. She was a mature woman of faith. And if she wouldn't have nitpicked the way she did, I wouldn't have responded the way I did. Because I was really prideful about my pettiness. And so that kind of leads me to a point. The spirit of pettiness is linked to the spirit of pride, right? It's, and one of the things I learned, I was in a women's Bible study for a few years, and one of um I don't know if you guys know Veronica or not, her mom, she teaches a women's Bible study. It's called the Titus II group, which is so amazing. It's a lot, is a, a mixture of ages. So with some older women and some younger women, they really just kind of pour into us. It's, a, it's really nice. Um, and one of the things that her mother, Elvin Karen, told us is the spirit of pride manifests itself in two different ways overly high self-esteem and low self-esteem. And that was something that challenged me because when I think pride, I think, oh, I think I'm the greatest person in the world. But pride can also be, I just refuse to come out of low self-esteem, right? It could be, I'm overly concerned with what people think about me. That can be the spirit of pride as well. You're so consumed about what people say about you, or you're so consumed with how bad you think you are, that can start operating as pride as well. That I'm walking around like, oh, I'm just terrible. Or, I, everybody's telling you, you're great. You're a woman of God. You do all these things amazing, but I refuse to receive it. I'm almost proud of how low I am, right? So that can manifest the same way. And so our pettiness a lot of times comes from that. So it can either come from, I think I'm the best thing since sliced bread, and if you can't match me, I'm going to be petty and talk about, oh, she, she tried. She tried to wear shoes like me, or she tried to do something like me. Or it could be, I actually want to look like you, but since I can't, I'm just gonna nitpick on everything. Oh, that's a little bit too tight. She know her hips are too big. Or he think he got all that because he know all this stuff. Or Juan think he's so great because he's in the military. All that stuff will come out as part as well, because I'm not happy with who I am. So I'm trying to tear other people down by being petty. Yes, ma'am. I was gonna ask, is that kind of where we get the crabs and the barrel syndrome? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm so focused, I want to get out. What is this crowd think he's doing? We're trying to get mm mm. I gotta get out, right? Um, and we see that we see that in Dayton, lot It's a small, small, It's a small town, um, well compared to like Cincinnati. Right. And everybody knows everybody. And as people start to do well, we see that a lot. And we see a lot of pettiness that people post stuff or they're they're excited if something goes bad, especially in a body of Christ. So instead of us being proud, oh, so-and-so had Miranda Curtis come this weekend. That's awesome. I'm sad I couldn't go. They're like, how did they afford Miranda Curtis? They can barely keep their lights on. We say stuff like that. We wanted Miranda Curtis. We mad that we couldn't afford her to come. So instead of asking, how are you What did you you guys work something out? Because when we asked her, her honorarium was too high for us. We say, they they, they don't have to do this long offering at the end of church or something like that. Pettiness. Jealousy. Jealousy is linked to pettiness as well. Okay? Legalism is mixed, is mixed to pettiness as well. So we see those three things. So pride, jealousy, legalism. Those three things tend to lead us into pettiness. Um, especially with the things that you all said. Guan um, gave us a good, good example of like we start to argue about minor biblical details. So we're trying to get people saved. We if you turn a TV on, if you drive down any major street in Dayton, Ohio, if you read the newspaper, if you go on any social media app, it's very clear that the majority of this world is on their way down the hill, right? Yes. People are confused, they have just completely turned their backs on biblical standards and the world is like, good, 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 go to hell, right? And then we're arguing, like Ron just said, about how many angels were around the tomb. Why does that matter? Or we're arguing over, well, what color was Jesus' skin? Or we're arguing over, well, what city did that person come from? Or was that really this? I remember when I was in seminary, we got this huge argument about um, the Israelites crossing over the Red Sea and how they talked about, it probably was actually the reed seed, not the red sea, because the reed seed, um, the water will blow and then it will part. And so it probably wasn't a supernatural phenomenon that we thought, it just happened that the thing, um, the, the wind caused the water to separate so that it can cross over on somewhat dry land. And so I remember Pastor Vanessa, she was my Old Testament professor, and she said, well then that should even add more power to the power of God, because how did Pharaoh and his chariots Drown in water that was as shallow as the reed sea. So whichever way you want to look at it, that shows the power of God. So if it was the Red Sea that parted. Then that's supernatural because the land was dry, and then it's obvious that Pharaoh would have drowned when it closed. But if it's the reed sea, something super shallow, then that shows even more power. So either way you slice it, God shows His power. So we really do to see an argue over if it should have been the Red or the Let's just say God did something awesome for the children of Israel that resulted in them getting free from something they shouldn't have got free from. Okay, so we have to be careful about what we're petty over, what we're focusing on. Okay, I want to read. um, Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter two. Damn, my time is flying. It It does. Second Timothy Chapter Two, verse twenty-three and twenty-four. Are we all there? Right, this is in the ESV version. It says, have nothing to do with foolish ignorance controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. So the Bible is telling us. So again, we know 1st and 2 Timothy, these are letters from Paul to Timothy, who's a, a young guy. He was being planted as a pastor. So he's advising him, you know on things that he's probably experienced as a pastor himself and as an apostle. So he's telling Timothy, make sure you're careful about this, right? And so what I always try to tell people is if the Bible tells you not to do it, it's probably because you will be tempted to do it, right? So we're not going to keep telling you not to do something that you wouldn't want to do. Like, I'm trying to think of something that no one would ever want to do. I don't know. People do some weird things, so never mind. I was thinking, I was like, don't drink gasoline, but people drink gasoline. I'm like, don't put your hand in the fire. People do it, so just to see they get burned. But for the most part, if it's something that you obviously would not want to do, I'm not gonna tell you. So my mom would never have to tell me, don't eat Brussels sprouts. I hate Brussels sprouts. Well, the funny thing is I've never had Brussels sprouts. I've smelled them, and I don't like the way they smell. I like cabbage. But it's something about miniature cabbage. It just, it doesn't sit well with me. And I'm old enough to say no, so I don't, I didn't, she never made it and my grandma would make it and there was always another option. So it was like Brussels sprouts or greens. I'm like, I'll take the greens. So um, Paul is warning Timothy, don't have anything to do with these little trivial, ignorant con- controversies. Because that's something that will happen, especially in the church. And what happens is, and it's sad, it really is the enemy. When you start to get serious about pursuing holiness, the devil will tempt you to get really, really trivial about holiness with other people. So if I have made a decision, and I use this example a lot, about my decision not to drink anymore, right? I don't believe it's a sin to drink. I believe it is a sin to get drunk. And for me, when I was drinking, the intent was to get drunk. So I'm just like, just this one little sip. I don't really enjoy the taste of alcohol. I was drinking fruity stuff that masked the liquor. So I'm like, it's not that I enjoy the taste of like scotch or bourbon or wine, I didn't enjoy it. I was drinking it because me and my friends were going out to hang out and I'm a different Daphne when I had some clear liquor in me and I was dancing on tables and stuff like that. <laughs> and it was fun. I would never do that sober. Right, so I was right, like, right. if I have about three or four martinis, I'm a really fun person to be around. And so that's why I was drinking. That's not who I am in my life anymore. So I just made the decision that I'm not drinking. But that's my decision, right? So I cannot create a doctrine from my decision. So when I go, most of my family drinks. They drink socially. I mean, most of them are walking around sloppy drunk. But like my sister and my brother-in-law, when we go out, they'll normally have a glass of wine or a mixed drink or something like that. I'm not going to be like, you guys call yourself ministers and you're drinking alcohol? That's their decision. Right? But that's something that we often get tricked into by the enemy when we're serious about a decision. Right? Or when I went through a divorce, I I went through a season, I was like, I'm not dating. I need to get myself together before I try to connect with somebody else. That was my decision. So when my friends was walk around, girl, he's so fine, and he sent me a message and stuff, I'm not going to be like, oh, God, you guys need to really focus on the word. Quit looking at these men. That was That was my personal decision. And so a lot of times we nitpick at things like that. And I was nitpicking for a while. When I first did it, I was that person. So now I'm like, that's fine. But I used to be petty. Like, oh, wow, that's amazing. You're preaching tomorrow. You have liquor. Look at that. And that was me being petty. I'm like, oh, wow, you're such a woman of God. Seems like all you talk about is men. When's the last time you've read scripture? And I was saying things like that. And maybe it was well intended, but I was really actually trying to prove a point. And what I was trying to do was actually make myself look better than them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we don't realize we're doing that. And most of us are not bold enough to say that to them. We'll say it to somebody else, right? Or we'll share something on Facebook about somebody else. Mm-hmm. Or we'll put up a post indirectly about somebody else or try to put up a scripture that we think, OK, this is going to make them look really small. So we do things like that, being petty, OK? Another scripture I want to read to you guys is Romans 12 and 2. Um, And this is a very familiar scripture. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Again, happiness is not something that we got from Jesus, right? It may have been something we got from church, but it's not something we got from Jesus, right? So we see examples actually in the gospel of the Pharisees and the Sadducees being petty, doing things like what Ron just talked about, arguing about trivial biblical differentiations between translation, looking at things like that. And that's actually conformity to the world, though, right? So if we look at God, the standard of God is unity and love. God doesn't want quarrels, especially not between his kids, right? And that's one thing my dad always used to tell my sister and me. Okay, we got enough to fight. I don't need y'all fighting each other right because mm-hmm. my sister and i we fought like boys in Solomon's college and he would say y'all need quit fighting each other and we're just too close in to age and too similar so you couldn't get under the same roof if you get along fine now um but we were conforming to the world because that was the standard of the world is to be divisive when you guys look at the world now especially now with my generation everything is about it's just me. I'm all by myself. I'm just an introvert. Don't touch me. Don't say nothing to me. I'm just focused on me. Nobody sees the world the same way that I see it. That's, we've made that popular, and that's conforming to the world. Because when we look at what God intended, so we look at Acts. So Acts is the response of all of the Old Testament and the ministry of Jesus. So we look at this is what the church became. Now that the church is here, after all of this stuff that's been done, this is what God intends. What do we see in Acts? everybody coming together, everybody selling their possessions, everyone living in the same space. I would imagine raising each other's kids, sharing dinners and stuff together. That's what we see in the book of Acts, right? So for us to just start finding reasons not to talk to each other, finding reasons not to sit next to each other, finding reasons not to be in the same class as each other, finding reasons not to be in worship together, that's pettiness, and that's divisiveness. Okay? So that goes totally against what God intended for us as the body of Christ. Now, yes, there are sometimes that's why the reason we have different denominations. If we can't agree on significant doctrinal things, then yeah, that's we just shouldn't be together. But even then, the goal is not to be quarrelsome. The goal is just to say, you know what? You believe what you believe. I believe what I believe. Let's just just worship. Let's just get to heaven, because that's where I am at this. In this point, I'm like, do you believe in Jesus? Okay, cool. As right. long as you're going to make it to heaven, fine. I'm not about to argue with you over what day we're going to worship. I'm not going to argue with you over what we can eat or are we going to call Yahshua or Jesus, whatever. Let's, let's just get to heaven. Yes, ma'am. Does young witnesses do your witnesses bother you to here. No, they don't bother me. They're doing what they think is right. So they're following their convictions. So I don't sit to I remember I one day I had thought I was gonna sit and argue with one, I had invited him to my house, and I thought I was gonna sit and argue. It was so fruitless. And we just I was like, you know what? Thank you for visiting. I just let it go. After about an hour, I was like, This is a waste of my energy. Because you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, and neither one of us changing. So you are going to be great, sis, and I'm gonna go over here and be girl. Um, they're doing what they believe God told them to do, and honestly, they do a lot better with evangelism than most of us do because we ain't going out talking to nobody. Right. So at least they're engaging because they came with Jeremiah and I. We were at Kroger one day. And they came talking to him, "How hey, you doing, know, man? Oh, you're so respectful." Blah blah blah. I want to give you this card. that has got videos on here about you being respectful to your mom. And they said all that stuff to him. When you see saints in Kroger, half of them try to pretend they don't see you, right? I just seen people from the church. i like, hey, I'm like. I'm like, I'm just, saying, I'm not gonna ask you for no money. I'm just, saying, I'm, not I'm just saying hi. But that's what we do. We don't engage. We definitely, we don't talk to each other. So we're definitely not trying to engage people that we think are lost. Um, so I don't have anything to say for them. I pray that they get their way right. It's a lot of things I disagree with what they believe, but I do believe that they believe what they believe. And they believe it came from God, and so I'm like, I'm gonna let them worry about that. That's between them and God. I pray that God corrects their ways, but I'm not about to say and argue with them because they're doing so good. So I'm like, I know some people that have got houses and stuff through them when the church turned them away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, see, we got to do better. So if anything, to me, they're a challenge to my ministry mm-hmm. to do better. I'm like, I don't want anybody to have to leave my church to go to another faith, you know, um, because we didn't have what we needed. So I'm like, that challenges me to make sure we start getting the resources we need so that we can offer the ministry that our communities need, okay? um, Yeah, you're welcome. Any other questions, sorry, because I'm just kind of trying to pack all this stuff together. Okay, so let me read you this. Pettiness, it comes from the word petite, which means small. So I think that, I don't remember who said that. Um, but we use the word petty as the adjective to indicate matters of lesser importance. Um, but it's an attitude that we have. Okay, pettiness is an attitude that we have that we picked up from the world that we've started to apply. And what pettiness has actually done is become a distraction to our own righteousness. Okay, pettiness is a distraction to our own righteousness, and what it has become is an excuse for us to not meet the standard that God has set for us. Okay, so pettiness is a distraction to our own righteousness. And has become an excuse for us not to meet the standard that God has set for us, okay? One of the most difficult things for me to reconcile is that God has different expectations for different people, right? He has the same standard, right? So he wants us to all be holy because he's holy. He wants us all to go out and preach and teach the nations. He wants us all to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teach them to observe all things. He wants us all to do that. But what that looks like for me and what that looks like for Mother Campbell might be totally different, right? Be ye holy. Might look different for me and Melissa, right? So Melissa might just be, you need to make sure you're not cussing, you need to make sure you're walking, carry yourself as a woman of God. You need to make sure that you're in the word, that you're praying, right? That might be it. She might be able to go watch power tonight and still be holy. I can't watch stuff like power. That's what God is doing in my life. I can't worse, watch certain TV shows. I can't listen to certain songs on the radio. Because in this season, God has made me so sensitive to things that I can't watch stuff like that without it bothering me. But that's me. That's what God told me to do in this season to be home. And that's in this season. It might come down the road that like, it don't bother me anymore. I honestly probably don't even want to watch it anymore down the road. But that's my expectation. But what has happened is this pettiness has become an excuse for us not to do what God told us to do. So, what I do is say, Wow, that's interesting. Melissa keeps posting about power. I don't know if you watch power or not, but she's like, she always posting all this stuff, talking about ghosts and all this stuff on Facebook. How are you so righteous, but you watching power just because God told me not to watch it, right? Um, and so, what I'll do instead of focusing on what God told me not to do or to do and just being obedient. I'll spend all of my time focusing on what Melissa's doing. And I'll focus all of my energy on attacking her righteousness. Meanwhile, my righteousness is getting lower and lower and lower because now I'm, I'm causing disorders, right? I'm sitting up here trying to get other people not to like Melissa, getting other people to start thinking she's not saved. I'm creating fake intercessory groups. Like, we need to all come together and pray for Melissa because she has backslidden because she's watching power. And But that's the stuff we do. And maybe not about something that small, but we do. Mm-hmm. I will never forget that when my dad licensed a woman um, in ministry, the Baptist Minister's Union, they called him in and prayed over him for licensing a woman in ministry. And then they cast him away and treated him as an unbeliever because he licensed a woman in ministry. And they said, "Well, brother, we're praying for you. We pray that you come back to God." That's what they said. We pray that you come back to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh? Oh, you okay. left? You okay. left? Okay. No, we didn't leave God, but in their mind, because they did something they disagreed with. Mm-hmm. Um, they felt he had left God. And I'll never forget that. And I was like, wow, I was about 15 or 16 years old. I was uh, in high school when that happened. I'm like, wow. But that's what we do, right? We come together and we say, well, you know, this person has sinned against God and this is what we're doing. And they followed the principles 18. that's exactly what they did. They found, followed the progressive discipline. It was one person that talked. Two pastors came. It was a group of pastors and they brought them in front of the entire union. And then they dismissed them. And I'm like, Okay, wow. And so we have it in a moment it is funny now because almost all of those pastors have women ministers now. that my dad, if you want it, could be petty right now. Right? So Patty, like wow, do you have a woman in your COVID? Have you been cast away from the Baptist ministers Like that could be the type of thing that we could do with we're petty because we could be small minded. Because one of the biggest things that makes us small minded is the need to be right. Right? Um, I need to be right. So let me tell you you shouldn't have done that to me. So we're fo- so focused on, they didn't give me no apologies. So I'm just going to keep you and pat you until they give me an apology. But by the time you get to the point of that apology, you don't broke me that person. You need to apologize to them yourselves. Okay? In addition to being a distraction um, to our own righteousness um, and an excuse not to meet our own personal standard, um, it, is, it exhibits a lack of faith. Okay? It exhibits a lack of faith. So that goes back to the example that I just used. If my dad didn't have faith in the visions of God, he would start exactly his own vengeance, right? Um, he had every opportunity, when this happened, he was president of NAACP in Dayton. And Dayton, he had a good platform, so he absolutely could have went out and blessed the people. Y'all know what he did? He wrote a book to educate them. He wrote a book called Our Preaching Sisters. And I, I told him I was like, that was one of the best um, moments for me as a daughter in ministry to him, as well as his biological daughter, to watch how he handled that situation. Um, Cause he could have handled it very differently. honestly, I probably would have handled it a lot differently. <laughs> <laughs> but God trusted him with that story, right? And a lot of people watched the way he handled it. And his response was to write a book. And it was very objective. Cause I just knew he's going to go in there like, I want to dedicate this book to all the people that hated on me to show God that the Bible actually says women can serve, and he didn't. He dedicated it to the woman that he licensed, and he wrote very clear, great biblically exegetical book, just these are the arguments against women clergy, these are the arguments for, this is the conversion that I had, because he was honest about, for a while he was against himself. He talked about his transformation, the revelation God gave him, very clear, very direct, very, I'm just trusting God to have, have this happen. And that book started changing pastors all throughout the city, all throughout Baptist churches. There's still quite a few that don't really mm-hmm. get on with us, but it's a so lot more. Know, oh yeah, so and so Methodist churches as well, but from like 2002, it's a lot more churches now in 2009 than back in 2002 that are set with clergy. Um, so it, it shows, it is a distraction to our self-righteousness. It's an excuse for us not to meet the standard and it shows a lack of faith. And then I think I've already kind of hit at this point before, um, but that it leads to division, okay? It leads to division. So we have to be careful with our pettiness because I think much, most of the time, we talk about some big petty things. Some of the things that we're doing for petty are really tiny things that we just do to be funny. And so it's one thing in your circle to just joke with each other. Like, I'll joke with, like, Leanna or Chantries, and they're like, they are being petty today. But we're joking about something little. So, like, she'll come, like, if Leanna walked up and hugged Chris instead of me, I'm like, well, I don't really want your sloppy seconds. You know, like, that's like, and I'm not being serious, but she's like, oh, you have your petty cap on today. And that's what she'll say. And that's just me being funny. I'm not positive of vision. Like, you can't hug anybody other than me. That's okay. That's just us being but that's the report that we have. Um, but we have to be careful about being petty about um, small things. There's a scripture, and I, this just came to my mind. Let me find it real quick. I love the internet, because I can just look things up real quick. Oh, here it is. I should have known that was a scripture. Um, Matthew 7, 3-5. I knew it was in Matthew, but I couldn't remember uh, what it, when you change this to NASB. It says, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye, okay? Um, back to this whole spirit of pride thing. Back to this distraction from our own self-righteousness thing. We gotta get, that's what this whole teaching series is gonna be about, is getting me together before I start trying to talk to somebody else. So we have to look at where is our pettiness coming from? And it's normally coming from those three things that we said. It's normally coming from some form of pride, some form of jealousy, um, or self-worth. What was the last one? Pride, jealousy. Legalism. legalism, thank you, Lord have mercy. Pride, legalism, um, or jealousy. It's normally coming from those three things, right? And legalism goes back to our whole, the absence of faith, I mean, the absence of grace. And what i learned, because I, I have had moments and still have some moments that I can be attacked legalistic. And one of the first things that I realized when I become legalistic is that I have not put, put grace in my own life. When we start accepting our own grace it becomes a lot easier for us to add grace to other people right. so going back to this whole when i had first decided not to drink i was very legalistic about that right is the temple of god you should put anything in it that could destroy your body and i was just really really legalistic about that and a lot of that was because i hadn't given myself any grace because in that moment i needed to be very strict there was no no evil wobbling about that because I was focused on just really being right for God. And still am. But grace is there for a reason. And so once I started giving myself grace, because I would get real hard on myself if I made any mistake. Um, same thing about, like, profanity. I'm real big on not cussing. I don't like people cussing around me. But I've had to learn how to have some grace, right? Everybody is not where I am. And that's not making me better. Everybody doesn't have that command on them, Right? them cussing may not hurt them the same way that me cussing does. When I cuss, I'm very disappointed in myself. If I get into an argument, because and, and, to me, I'm like, I've given you that much control over my own speech. If I get to cussing, I am mad because I have a very extensive vocabulary. And I, I I just, if all I can think of are some four-letter words, then you've gotten so flustered that my brain's not working.
1: And that's just kind
0: of where I am at that point. And so it's not that I don't know how to use cuss words. I know how to combine them like the best of them. But I know other words I can use and still give God glory. I can still put my point across. This still can get solved. I can let you know how I felt. I can let you know if you've you done something wrong to me, I can let you know that without me displeasing God. Without me also doing it beyond God. Doing injustice to your own intellect, right? When you get to cussing on me, you didn't know any other words that. That's the only word you had. It may have felt good when you said it in a moment, but think about how God feels because of what you said. Okay? Um, so, work on our own spec in our own eyes. And then, once we get this part together, then we can start helping people with their Get the log out, then you help people with their specs. And what I'm learning in my life is as I get that spec out of my own eyes, especially this whole pettiness thing with conversations, it's automatically pulling people's specs out. Right? People are realizing it themselves. So conversations that I used to entertain that used to be good, like my friends from other churches would call, girl, let me tell you what happened in church. Or did you hear about pastor so-and-so? That church closed down. This pastor got allegations and all that stuff. I'm like, what? Tell me. Tell me. Now I'm like, oh, man, I'm praying for him. That's messed up. I feel bad for his flock. Like, now that I'm saying things like that, like, oh, okay, well, maybe we need to all come together. You know, pray. have you talked to his wife? Oh, have you talked to the young lady that's in the news? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, well, where are the people going from the church? Maybe we need to see coming up with some money. Have you talked to the mayor of the city? Instead of just being like, ooh, that's juicy. Now, Now that I'm starting to say, okay, well, what can we do to find a solution? What can we do to try to make sure less people are hurt by something bad that happened? Even if you're like, well, we knew this was coming. Instead of thinking that, now it's starting to change what they're saying. And now one of my main friends, oh, my God, and is a guy. He was just a big source of gossip. He always, I don't know, everything that's happening in the city from him <laughs> immediately. He was just like, I'm in so-and-so's office and this happened. He used to be so proud. Now he'll text me, hey, pray for Pastor so-and-so because mm-hmm. this happened. And I, I, didn't, I never had to say, you are being so messy. Or I didn't have to say, you know what, I got convicted about applauding, you know, God punishing other people, or I got convicted about being excited when bad things happen to people that did me wrong, and you really should just work on your heart. I didn't have to say any of that. I got the log out of my own eye, and then his stuff just started falling out on his own. Okay, and that will happen for you all as well, no matter where it is, but especially in this area of pettiness. Um, so I'll leave you with the words of Romans 12 and 2 again: Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Go back to your why. Why am I saying this? So go back to those two examples of pettiness. If I'm just joking, you know, Leanna hooks Chris before me, oh, I don't want to joke. I did that to make her laugh. That's fine, that didn't hurt anybody. But if I said that to make that person feel small, I said that to make me look big, I said that to, bring, to distract people from how bad I'm doing and see how bad she's doing, she's doing way worse than me, or to be legalistic to make myself look, oh, I'm so much closer to God than you are. All of those things, that's insane. We have to repent for that type of pettiness. Any questions or comments? It's 9.50. and no, our intercessory team has to pray. So let me pray over the Lord, we love you, we thank you. God, I thank you again just for allowing us to come together. I pray you've been pleased from our discussion. Lord, please help us with our minds and help us with our mouths. Um, help us with this thing of pettiness. Um, when we have little cheap shots that we can take, we have quick opportunities to make ourselves look good or make somebody else bad, especially in our own homes or at our jobs, God, and even here in church, God, um, God, right on our tongues, allow your Holy Spirit to trump what we want to say, God, allow us to operate in the spirit of love above all other things, don't let our wittiness or our um, need to just prove a point, don't ever let that get over the spirit of love that you called us to walk in. Lord, we pray as we transition to this next service that you allow us to keep walking in that spirit. Let us greet our neighbors and enjoy fellowship with one another. God, we pray for our praise team, our musicians. God, we pray for Bishop Lyons as we prepare to bring forth the word. Open up our hearts to receive more from you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, all. Yeah. Yes, ma'am? Oh, yes. <laughs>